Report. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it is great to be here today. It was a gorgeous weekend here in the South for Memorial Day. Um, And uh, I uh, spent the weekend moving into our new home. Uh, We bought a new home, uh, a little bit closer to the office, uh, a little bit closer to America's Web Radio. uh, Uh, Which, by the way, is part of America's Broadcast Network now. Sweet. Sweet. Uh, Which is also... Has America's chat radio, America's talk radio, America's internet radio, and a couple of. Uh, uh, I see video. somebody was very busy reserving names on the internet. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, we're we're going to be uh, promoting a lot of time. This this show ultimately down the road, by the way, will be on our entire network. Will be rebroadcast at different times. Well, excellent. Today on on well, all the but, I mean, as as one of your oldest shows uh, that are out there, it's uh, just not the host. Just not the host is not the oldest, but the, the show is one of the oldest. But it's great to be here. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Memorial Day. Uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about my dad on Memorial Day, yeah. uh, and uh, it was uh, interesting as I was moving. Uh, the cemetery where my dad is buried up in, up in Canton. He's at the Canton uh, National Cemetery, and uh, they do a remarkable, remarkable job up there with the flags and the presentation. And I spent a lot of time thinking about them this weekend. And as I was moving, you know, one of the things you're going to move that you find on occasion is stuff that you haven't seen in years. Uh, and I found my dad's dog tags. All right, last oh, night. It's very cool. Very cool. Very, very emotional. Very, very sweet moment. Uh, very touching moment, and uh, was, I'm glad I had that opportunity yesterday, especially yesterday. My dad was in uh, was a officer in the Navy, captain in the Navy uh, during World War II, and uh, I still have all his insignias. Well, I found my dad. I, I found a bunch with my dad's dog tags, a bunch of his insignias and and uh, his medals. Close quote. My dad's insignia was the private bar. That's, 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 that's as far as my dad got in the military. Um, but you know he did he did his time and uh, he, he for the rest of his life it changed who he was as as the son of an immigrant. Uh, it was remarkable. And yesterday, as, as I was helping, as I was sought help moving, uh, one of the young men that I've worked with in my church calling um, uh, last year came by to help, uh, young Victor. And uh, Victor is a DACA kid. And I asked Victor, "So you're going to be a senior this year? Be a senior? So you're going to go to college?" No, sir. I'm going to go into the Marines. I said, Victor, that is awesome. But I've got some really bad news for you. Donald Trump's not going to let you join the Marines. You're a DACA kid. This kid's grown. I mean, he, his whole life has been here. As much as he remembers nowhere else. Uh, and uh, he is just one of the most wonderful young men I know. And would be an extraordinary Marine. Um, extraordinary. Uh, and here is immigration popping its ugly head into the into the military uh, program. David, there is a program called MAVNI. Have you ever heard of MAVNI? Uh, it's a military accessibility uh, program. Basically, it's designed for immigrants uh, who are in what they call non-immigrant status. Uh, let's say they're a student visa holder or they're even they're a visitor to the United States. They can join the U.S. military if they have certain capabilities, generally speaking, either doctors uh, or medical personnel or language capability. And the military, that program was started under, um, under President Bush. 
Uh, and uh, Obama managed to screw it up at least somewhat, uh, and Trump has ended it. And it brought uh, hundreds and hundreds, thousands actually, of, of uh, young men and women into the military with very particular skills, like speaking Urdu, um, uh, like, like speaking Chinese, um, things, things the military needs to be successful in a global military that we have. And Trump just ended it. Just yeah, ended yeah. It, it is what my friend uh, Margaret Stock, we've had Margaret Stock on the show before. You went to her fundraiser when she ran for the Senate. Uh, I think she referred to the word FUBAR uh, when she described what the military has done to this program under Trump. Did they, uh, or did they, would they serve under dual citizenship? No, no, no. They, they, they've renounced. What, what happens is once they join the military and they go through basic, at the end of basic, you get naturalized. Okay, that's the trade-off. And I think it's a four- or six-year commitment or whatever the commitment is these days. Um, but at least four-year commitment. And uh, so they get naturalized and they, they, uh, they renounce all other citizenship. So the, and at that point, what the military was doing, though, was basically saying under, under the last part of the Obama administration, oh, it's going to take longer to do your, do your security check, your background check. And they just weren't doing it. So Obama slowed the program to a crawl the last few years, and Trump basically just ended it. Just, yeah. We don't need it. The, typical of what Trump is, which is an isolationist. It's a, it's a guy who only cares about money, who doesn't care about the international projection of the, of, of U.S. authority and 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 leadership. Uh, and and for that, I Trump will go down as the worst president in American history, uh, no doubt in my mind uh, that he will be the worst president we've ever had. He's ready as the worst president we've ever had, and it will only get worse. Um, but this is just an example from an immigration perspective, ending a program that was remarkably successful in not only attracting extraordinary talent to the military, but bringing to the – it is the Army, by the way, that did MAVNI. Um, it wasn't the other branches of the military. But bringing much-needed resources uh, and abilities to a military needs them. I mean, do we teach Urdu in public schools? We teach how to speak, you know, the, the various Pashto dialects. No, but we had access to that information through the U.S. military. And just an extraordinarily successful program. It's What it's really hurt, David, is the, is the VA, what will be the VA, uh, the doctors in the military. Even in the military, a, big, a, a, a significant percentage of doctors are foreign-born doctors. Um, much like you go to rural America today, a, a, you know, a significant minority of doctors are uh, are foreign born. It's uh, it's just the nature of the way the profession is right now, and it's just sad to see as we think about Memorial Day how uh, the Trump administration has really uh, uh, hurt uh, the Mavni program. Um, the the Marmy magazine, which is called Stars and Stripes, is that what that's called, David? Um, uh, you would know better than I, uh, where um, uh, they did a front page article uh, about this just a couple days ago called Living in, Lim- Li- Living in Limbo in Stars and Stripes. Uh, and it was a, uh, a terrific article. I, you probably don't read Stars and Stripes on a regular basis, David, um, but I'm sure you did when you were in the military. Uh, this program, uh, as it talks about, uh, is this. I mean, for example, this guy named Kusuma Neo um, uh, was, um, uh, is a doctor. Uh, and uh, he uh, has, has he enrolled in the United States military. 
uh, in the Army Reserve Unit as a trauma surgeon for Afghanistan. Uh, he was going to be sworn in as a U.S. citizen on May 5th. Uh, he's from Indonesia, uh, lives in Springfield, Illinois, part of the first forward surgical team based in New York, ready to go to Afghanistan. Um, and they said, no, we're not going to naturalize you at this point. We're going to end the program. Um, it is just uh, it's just remarkable. You want to take a fully qualified American-trained surgeon and not swear him in under the, under the agreement that you made under MAVNI. Um, I would love to have Margaret on here one another day to talk about this. This is just... Uh, uh, it's, it's sad to see that a program that was so successful uh, be put into a process that is that makes it completely useless when it was so vital uh, to some of the success of the United States military. Uh, but I'm not surprised. Uh, the Trump administration has done a remarkable job about screwing up the most basic of things going forward. Um, David, you know, the president just got back from his trip to Europe uh, in which he uh, uh, entered Middle East. And I, I don't know if you noticed the stark contrast between Trump uh, uh, bowing before the king of Saudi Arabia and just being a monumental suck-up over there to basically insulting our closest allies and friends in Europe. Uh, it, is, uh, it is remarkable to see how much damage Trump has done in the four months he's been in office. And I, I'm, I'm not sure we as a country can tolerate four years of this nonsense from this guy. Uh, I can't believe somebody lets this man have a telephone. Um, this is like giving a drug addict uh, a heroin. Hey, yeah, here, want some heroin? Here you go. Uh, Trump is basically a heroin addict uh, on Twitter uh, and uses Twitter uh, in a way to upset the political norms, not for any purpose other than upsetting the political norms. There's really no legitimate reason for most of what Trump says and does as part of this process, um, as part of being president. And a great example was Germany. Now, here's what's really interesting, David, about Germany. Uh, Germany uh, is, you know, one of our probably three closest allies after the U.K. and Canada uh, in, in the context of the global war on terror. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, David, but 800 Europeans have died in Afghanistan. We tend to focus on the, on the, on the five or 6,000 or 7,000 U.S. military deaths, but 800 Europeans have died as part of our request for them to join, NATO, uh, join in the NATO fight for this, because it's a NATO fight. Uh, and it's the only time that NATO uh, has uh, invoked and lived up to the Article 5 uh, provisions of NATO, which is that an attack on one is an attack on all. And yet Trump in his littleness, in his little tiny-handedness, could not say that America will continue to live by Article 5 of NATO. What a tiny man. What a what a infinitesimally small human being um, that uh, the Trump is, that he, that, he, that he makes Americans be. Uh, it's going to be embarrassing to go to Europe this year. Uh, for a business trip that I have, because everybody's going to ask me the same question: What's going on? 
what happened to America? How, how did Trump get elected? And that's a great question. Trump got elected because people were angry and Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate. But at the same time, why are the Republicans standing by this guy? He is a dangerous, dangerous threat to American democracy. The French president, I hate, I keep on saying this, David, the French president was right. Trump is like Putin and Erdogan. He's a strong man. I, I can't believe we have a president like that. I can't believe we as a country will tolerate this. Um, I continue to believe that Trump simply wants to be impeached so he can go home to his golf course uh, and um, and not have to worry about being president of the United States and say, hey, look, I've been president. They wouldn't let me fix anything, so now I quit and I'm out of here. It's uh, it's going to be, from a, from a perspective of, of a global economy, it's going to be very difficult for the U.S. to have any sort of economic growth without our friends in Europe and their continued investment. <clears throat> the largest investors in the United States are not the Chinese. Yeah, they buy bonds, but they're not investing in America. It's Europe. Europe has plants and factories. Uh, I mean, I, I, would, I would venture to say that there is a significant minority of factories and manufacturing jobs in the U.S., particularly in the automotive field, that are European-owned. And w- w- when does Trump not want that? He, he does not understand how the economy works. He does not understand, I think, even how our society works. And as a result, we will have nothing but increased anxiety, tension, stress, and a sluggish economy for the time that he is in office. David, we're going to take our first break here on America's Web Radio. We'll be back in a second on the Immigration Hour. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, David, yeah, I had, a, I had a long weekend, so I had a lot of time to think about a lot of this stuff. Um, but let's talk about immigration uh, right now. The uh, House uh, Judiciary Committee, or Judiciary, uh, Immigration Subcommittee of the House Judiciary Committee, has passed out of committee what could be uh, the worst, harshest, most difficult immigration legislation ever to come out of Congress. It is um, 
uh, it is uh, terrible. Uh, it is awful. It is damaging to who we are as a country. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about these bills uh, because they are going to move forward in the House. Uh, and they will likely pass the House unless some Republicans have some courage to say, this is crazy stuff. So uh, the first bill under consideration is named after two law enforcement officers who originally, who were allegedly murdered by an undocumented immigrant, uh, advocate, uh, advocate for the bill as an important to public safety and the rule of law. Uh, this, this, and Bob Goodlatte, who's Judiciary Committee Chairman, said the bill was not intended to target immigrants but to respect the rule of law. This is simply a bill that gives any administration, the current one and future ones, the authority to enforce our laws properly and to give state and local governments the ability to participate in that enforcement. Um, so you want the state and local government to pay for enforcement of federal immigration laws, but you don't want to pay them to do that. Uh, and you have no idea how community policing uh, works as part of this. Um, this bill was introduced by Senator Raul Labrador of Idaho, a former immigration lawyer, uh, leaving Congress after this term to go run for governor of Idaho, uh, who I think will uh, find himself in a special place in the inner circle of hell for the outrageousness of this legislation um, because it mimics legislation drafted and presented by Jeff Sessions uh, when he was in the Senate. Uh, the Davis-Oliver Act substantially increases, supposedly, the capabilities of federal and local immigration enforcement, empowers state and local enforcement to enact their own immigration laws and penalties. What the fetch are you talking about? It would also give the government power to revoke visas, beef up ICE's ability to arrest and deport immigrants, increase penalties, for, criminal penalties for undocumented immigrants, and punish Sanctuary jurisdictions because of can't, of course, it can't do that uh, right now. Um, the Cato folks came out and said this: HR twenty four thirty one purports to empower states and localities to take action against serious criminals who have violated immigration law. David Beer, who's been a guest on our show before, said this: In reality, the bill is a vehicle for the massive expansion of the federal government and of federal power over states and their citizens. Uh, this, David, is really, I think, the uh, uh, it's the opposite of what uh, you have uh, um, the government uh, d Republicans are supposed to stand for. Now, governments are what? Smaller government. Uh, we want smaller government as, as part of this. Uh, and, and yet... There for a massive increase in this legislation. So let's let's take a look at these. Um, the House bill is going to give President Trump a second try at creating the Goliath deportation machine that he asked Congress to fund a few weeks ago. Collectively, these bills establish a massive militarized force that will detain and deport thousands more people while undermining the Constitution and depriving people of fundamental due process. The burden on the taxpayers will be 
billions of dollars from more agents and detention that will be used on families, dreamers, and people who have lived here for decades. Refugees and asylum seekers will also be deprived of humanitarian protection, leaving the Statue of Liberty's promise meaningless. Deportation by the millions and criminalizing undocumented immigrants is not what America stands for, and it's not what Americans want. It's what the president wants. With 90% of Americans calling for reform that legalizes the status of the undocumented, uh, it is about time for the House to open up their brains a little bit, maybe open up their heart a little bit, and do what's good for America not what's good for Donald Trump. Um, these bills really are just, uh, 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 I, mean, I can't even tell you, crazy. Uh, they are uh, extraordinary in their breath. They are H.R. 2431, which is the Michael Davis Jr. and Danny Oliver in honor of state, local, and law enforcement act probably stands for something. Um, H.R. 2417, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Authorization Act, and 2406, the ICE Authorization Act. Um, uh, this is a uh, this is really going to be um, a, a stunning uh, amount of, uh, of, of work here. For example, H.R. 2406 authorizes 12,500 more ICE and detention and de- or deportation officers. 12,500. I mean, that's like a doubling of what they currently have. And the bills would mandate that officers be armed with M4 assault rifles and other weapons. What? M4 assault rifles? For what? To pick up the guy who's roofing your house? This is insane stuff. Um, the Davis Act facilitates a force multiplier by giving additional authority to encourage and to and encouraging law enforcement uh, at the local level. Um, it also authorizes police to arrest and detain anyone based solely on a suspicion of being unlawfully present in the United States. Uh, the, the bills are just stunningly awful uh, in their context. Stunningly awful in their context. And I'd encourage you to go on Ryan and read these. Um, the uh, the HR uh, uh, 2407, which is the USCIS uh, bill, uh, is certainly, uh, as far as their budget bill, uh, is certainly uh, going to have within its context uh, an enormous amount of uh, a negative um, uh Effect on the U.S. economy. Now, my guess, David, is that neither of these bills uh, will uh, will pass the Senate. They'll go to the Senate, uh, and the Senate will probably, in all likelihood, uh, simply ignore what's written here and go to the next section. Um, and uh, the ICE, uh, the USCIS bill, uh, is uh, establishing a directorate. Uh, within ICE called FDNIS, FDNS, Fraud Detection National Security. Now, this is actually a part of immigration created by fiat under, under, under Bush as a very small entity. And now they're creating an entire directorate. So, David, when you have people whose, whose job is dependent on finding fraud, what are they going to do? 
if there's no fraud. They're going to find it anyway. So you're going to get caught up in this process, innocent people uh, who have no intent to defraud the immigration system, no intent to harm the United States. And you will get an extraordinary amount of, quote, fraud brought forward that is not fraud. This is like the Immigration Lawyers Full Retirement Act that they're creating here. It's really stunningly broad in its impact. The bill also creates the External Affairs Directorate, which will oversee and coordinate official USCIS communications to both internal and external audiences, including applicants, petitioners, and beneficiaries. What? The the External Affairs Directorate? This sounds like something out of... I don't even want to say it. Some crazy thing out of the out of the thirties, um, and then they're going to have the Immigration Records and Identity Services Directorate, um, and they're going to manage the operation of an employment eligibility verification system, which is E-Verify. Um, manage Save, which is the entity group, the thing used by the states. Manage the biometrics of USAS. Manage records for USAS. They're also going to have the Field Operations Directorate, which will oversee the adjudication of immigration benefits. They'll have the Refugee and Asylum International Directorate, which will oversee refugee application uh, and uh, interviews, which is weird because the only Department of State does that, oversee asylum process. They're going to have the Service Center Operations Directorate, which should be part of Field Operations uh, because it's the same thing, and the Management Directorate. They're going to have the OPR, their Office of Federal, uh, their Office of Professional Responsibility, um, and they're also going to have a process by which, uh, called administrative appeals, not later than one year after the date of enactment, all appellate functions of USCIS will be carried out by the Secretary of Homeland Security, who shall establish a component within the Homeland Security to carry out such functions, which is already called the Administrative Appeals Office. Um, they're also uh, changing the name of the Bureau of Citizenship and Immigration Services to the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services uh, as part of the uh, changes, Homeland Security creation, and a number of uh, other things. For example, E-Verify permanent authorization. So E-Verify is made permanent under this. It doesn't have to be changed every year. Uh, it also has um, uh, a process called transparency, where USCIS folks shall act impartially and may not give preferential treatment to any entity, organization, or individual in connection with the adjudication of any benefit, um, nor in any way that the that activities that constitute preferential treatment are working on or in any way attempted to influence in a manner not available to or according to all petitioners the adjudication of immigration. This is meant to, this is meant to shut out AILA, the Immigra- American Immigration Lawyers Association, and say, look, meeting or communicating with persons associated with such entities at the request of such persons in a manner not available according to all petitioners. So when they have individual liaisons with the American Immigration Lawyers Association, that is now over... And they can only have public meetings in which everybody is invited, even though Ayla basically speaks for the public in a lot of this work. Um, and, uh, you know, David, one of the interesting things about reading legislation is that uh, uh, it is eye-opening. 
it, it lets you get a better understanding of how immigration works uh, for um, for and against Americans. The people that write the legislation, curiously enough, are not the people who benefit from the legislation in this context. This legislation is, is written by people who don't like immigrants, who want to reduce legal immigration to America, who want to make immigration more difficult to America. It is not written by people who, in my opinion, actually care about America. Uh, it is written by those who view immigrants as the enemy uh, and as a threat to our society, when in reality, it is because of immigrants that we have an active, functional, and powerful society today. It is this mixture of ideas. It is the mixture of, of uh, passion. It is the mixture of hard work that people bring to the United States as part of their desire to better themselves. The one thing that makes us different from the rest of the world is immigration. It is what has brought people to this country. Lazy people don't walk across the desert. Lazy people didn't get on ships in the 18 to 1900s and the early 2000s to come to America for a better life. They came because they wanted to work and grow and develop. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámalos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. We're going through today and looking at the three bills that passed out of uh, the House Judiciary Committee this last week, uh, two of which were introduced by Goodlatte and a third one by Raul Labrador, uh, who clearly has forgotten his own origins, uh, much to his detriment. I'm very disappointed in you, Raul, if you're listening to this, very disappointed in what you have done. Uh, the ICE bill, now, one thing I forgot to mention in the CIS bill is when it talks about creating the directorate uh, within the agent with the USCIS, 
The new head of the USCIS is supposed to have five years of management experience. And last week, David, they were the, the Senate was interviewing and having hearings on the Trump-appointed head of the USCIS, and you'll never never guess what he did not have. That's right, five years of management experience. Wonder how they're going to get around that little law problem. Uh, looking at the ICE uh, uh, provision, the ICE bill, this is H.R. 2406. Uh, the director of ICE should have five years of law enforcement experience, which may include the enforcement of immigration laws, and a minimum of five years of management experience. Um, and uh, the bill itself uh, begins as it goes through kind of the activities of ICE. Now, ICE itself is not just involved in immigration laws. Uh, they're involved in the enforcement of customs laws, trade laws, um, as well as transactional money laundering and bulk cash smuggling, gangs or criminal syndicates engaged in transnational criminal activity, uh, violations of firearms and other expenses of human trafficking, uh, identification travel or employment document fakes, and the unlawful use of, of documents or document fraud. Um, so the agency itself has an extraordinary mission. I have a lot of friends, that, people that I consider friends that work for ICE, and uh, that are outside the deportation context uh, that do are doing remarkable work on the ground in 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 catching bad people and putting them away. And I, you know, kudos to them for what they do. Um, and I mean, I recognize that even deportation and deportations are just doing the job allocated to them by the federal government uh, and by the president. Uh, any quarrel I have with the with the functions of ICE really boil down to their leadership and uh, and and the president, uh, including the last president, uh, and not not to individual officers, ninety nine percent of whom are are doing I think the job they've been assigned to do. Uh, you have the one off guys who are just monumental jerk offs, but you know those those guys are far hopefully far and few between. Um, now the. Uh, as part of the ICE officers, they, they are now granted authority to execute any warrants issued under the laws of the United States, issue and serve judicial summons, carry firearms, make arrests um, uh, for uh, any crimes against the United States committed in their presence, uh, or if they have reasonable grounds to be the person to be arrested as committed or is committing such a felony. They can seize property, um, which uh, constitutes proceeds traceable to violation. Um, and they could issue civil detainers for the purpose of the enforcement of the immigration laws. Civil detainers are, in fact, not enforceable under our immigration laws. I'm surprised they kept that in there. Uh, but as as you go down and read through the the uh, the uh, the uh, job of the of these folks, uh, including the principal legal advisor um, and the office of professional responsibility, uh, the office of management and administration, you get to the the real heart of this process uh, and what um, what Congress will be doing here uh, which we're trying to change as part of this. So uh, DHS has authorized all deportation officers who have sex- successfully completed the basic immigration law enforcement tra- training uh, to uh, carry out uh, the powers given here. So ICE detention enforcement officers, which are deposed different from deportation enforcement officers, um, shall be increased by 2,500 people above the number listed in this year's numbers. Now, this is 
detention enforcement officers. Um, they could take custody of people. They can transport them. They guard them. They move them to facilities. Um, they are authorized and ensure that every ICE officer is issued high-quality body armor. Wow. Which is, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, enough body armor must be purchased to cover every agent in the field. Where's this money coming from? Where's the money coming from to do this? Weapons. Ensure that um, deportation officers are equipped with weapons that are reliable and effective to protect themselves, their fellow agents, and innocent third parties. Such ones shall include, at a minimum, standard-issue handguns, M4 rifles, and tasers. I really want detention officers carrying around rifle M4 rifles. Now, David, you're a military guy. That's a it's an automatic rifle, right? I mean, that's a substantial uh, firearm. Uh, and uh, uh, it should be interesting to see guys walk around the courthouse with M4 rifles. That's going to be that's going to be quite the thing. Uh, now they're going to give them some high risk training. They have an advice. Oh, this is great. They've established the ICE Advisory Council. The ICE Advisory Council shall be composed of seven members. One member appointed by the president, one member appointed by Mr. Goodlatte himself, um, one member appointed by the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, one appointed appointed by the ICE Union. What the heck? By the ICE Union? And three members appointed by the National Immigration and Customs Enforcement Council. This would be like an orgasmatron for ICE enforcement. Um, truly bizarro. Um non-remunerated and uh, what's their job? Uh, Their job is to advise Congress and DHS Secretary on the current status of enforcement operations, the effectiveness of cooperative efforts between DHS and other agencies, on personnel and equipment, on improving DHS security, and the effectiveness of enforcement policies. This is really interesting. They're also going to establish a pilot program uh, to one electronically process and serve charging documents, including notices to appear while in the field, electronically process and place detainers while in the field, electronically collect biometric data for purposes of identifying in the field. Uh, this should be really quite the quite the uh, quite the process as part of this. Um, they're also going to add. Uh, ICE deportation officers as opposed to detention officers, 10,000 of those above those of 2017 um, and shall, subject to a value of appropriations, increase the number of positions for full-time support staff by 700. 10,000 officers in the field and a whole 700 support staff. Wow. They're also going to increase the number of ICE prosecutors. That's what they really are. They're prosecutors. Subject to the availability of appropriations, increase the number of positions for full-time trial attorneys uh, by 60 above the normal of number, uh, number of number of full-time positions in 2017. So 60 more lawyers get jobs. Uh, this, is, uh, this bill is um, quite the spendatron. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know how anybody who believes in smaller government can support this when you could literally have a bill that changes four or five things in immigration law that solves 90% of the undocumented problem overnight, yet you want to literally enforce and spend your way out of the problem. This is um, nothing short of uh, hateful. 
It's nothing short of spiteful, uh, and it's nothing short of um, of uh, uh, a misappropriation of public funds. Because that's really what this is, a misappropriation of public funds. Now, the last bill here, H.R. 2413, uh, which is uh, put forward by Labrador because he wants to run for governor of Idaho, and you know, heaven forbid, uh, the Mexican farm workers be kicked out of Idaho uh, when you're governor there. Uh, how that's going to terribly infect the state? Uh, this bill itself is actually really quite um, extensive. Uh, it is uh, well a lot of pages long. It's got 600 sections, 616. Um, and it does remarkable, remarkably bad things uh, to uh, to people. So I want to start at the end of it because uh, this is going to take us a little while to go through and talk about this. Um, but it is it does things that only somebody who hates immigrants would do. For example, in section six, 184 pages, I hope they've read this bill before they before the debate before they sign it. Uh, a waiver of rights by B visa immigrants. So, under it's amending the definition of B, and includes after defining what a traveler for business is, and who has waived any right to review or appeal of an immigration officer's determination as to the admissibility of the alien at the port of entry, or to contest, other than on the basis of an application for asylum, any action for removal of the alien. So basically, what Section Six Sixteen does is take away due process and uh, a claim for relief at the port of entry and increase expedited removal to everybody who comes in the country for whatever reason. So right now, ER is really just for fraud and misrepresentation. Uh, uh, and, and, and attending to stay in the United States, unlawful employment. Now it, it, it's to everybody, and you cannot challenge that. Uh, it adds Section 615, which amends uh, good moral character and says a uh, person does not have good moral character who has failed to properly file an income tax return for each year that one was required to be filed, has not committed fraud on any tax return, and has paid all taxes owed. So, basically, it is making an extraordinary addition to good moral character that goes to taxes, uh, knowing that this will affect, if if this goes into law, this will affect 90% of, of probably Americans but certainly of immigrants in the United States. Who is to say that there is fraud? Who is to say what taxes are owed? Who is to say that an income tax return was required to be followed? Uh, This is an extraordinary, an extraordinary expansion of, uh, of the law. Now, Section 614, and I find it useful to go backwards because it really helps you understand what they're doing here, amends the deportation or removal proceedings section of 240B of the INA and adds this. Whenever possible, proceedings shall take place in the order in which aliens are placed in proceedings, except that proceedings pertaining to aliens in custody shall, to the extent possible, practical, take place prior to proceedings for aliens not in custody. So, 
the longest cases, the oldest cases, are going to require to be done first, and the newer cases be placed behind them, uh, except if you are detained. Now, this is supposed to be the law now, but it's not. Let's take our final break here on America's Way. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del Grupo de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare. And learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verifying your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We're on a roll today, David, talking about the legislation passed out of the Judiciary Committee, House Judiciary Committee by Goodlett and Labrador and their minions of evil, uh, on changing immigration. Now, there, there is one thing that is in this bill that maybe is not a bad thing, Section th- 613, that the Comptroller General of the United States, within six months, shall issue a report on the deaths in custody of detainees held by DHS, um, including whether the deaths could have been prevented by delivery of medical treatment, uh, duh, um, whether DHS practice was followed. I think that's going to be an interesting report um, as part of that. Um, oh, massive change, massive, massive change in Section 612, clarifying the rescission of adjustment of status. Under current law, you can only have your green card taken away if an error based on your green card was old, was less than five years. That is stricken from the record. And now they can rescind your green card, your permanent residence, at any time, even decades later, if they believe there was a mistake, error, fraud, or misrepresentation, according to their new interpretations um, of the law. This is a, Section 612 is a massive, massive change to the process. Um, now, Section 611, uh, it, it requires a report from DHS and the AG on the exercise and abuse of prosecutorial discretion. Um, and I love how they use abuse of prosecutorial discretion. Uh, I, I, this bill, this really goes to uh, something, for example, Section 4. Aliens issued notices to appear that were canceled in the previous fiscal year despite findings of DHS that they were admissible or deportable unless granted removal were granted. They want a report that talks about 
those placed in proceedings who were terminated from proceedings, those granted parole from the United States, those granted deferred action, it's involuntary departure, and they want a list of each alien, shall include a listing of each alien described, their names, fingerprint numbers, alien registration, and why each was granted the type of discretion received. David, this is a stunning, stunning report. Um, Because why would you need their names unless you were going to go after these people? This is, Section 611 is an amazing abuse of, of, of people. This is people abuse as part of this. Uh, you've got Section 610, which clarifies the standards for family detention. Families should never be held in a jail. Can, can anybody else agree on that? They, can, they should never be held in a jail. It is inhumane. Um, this bill says, In no circumstances shall an alien minor who is not an unaccompanied alien minor, be released to by DHS other than to a parent or legal guardian. So basically, you must keep children in jail with their parents if their parents are in jail. Um, the conditions of confinement shall in no instance may specific licensing requirements be imposed beyond those deemed appropriate by Homeland Security. Basically, taking away the rights of states to judge confinement conditions within their state, which, of course, DHS is subject to several lawsuits now on this. This is, uh, this is really quite the bill. Um, now, Section 610 talks about um, the DHS, JG, should thoroughly examine the records of the aliens' countries of prior residence to determine whether the aliens committed a crime in any of those countries that rendered them inadmissible. My God, why aren't you doing that already? Okay, that's some of the stuff you go, okay, why aren't you doing that already? Temporary protected status, which right now is done by the secretaries, changed to this. If the secretary determines that a foreign state continues to meet conditions for designation of under, as a TPS, DHS secretary shall submit a recommendation to Congress to extend the period of designation for not more than 18 months. The Secretary was cited for justifications. Ninety days after submission, the President has not signed after submission recognition, the President has not signed into law, legislation passed by the House and Senate, they shall end TPS. So basically, Congress is taking away the right of the executive branch to designate TPS. This means that TPS for countries like Honduras and El Salvador will go away in 18 months if this bill doesn't pass, because Congress, as we currently know it, will not extend TPS. Uh, admission, the, def- the very definition of admission is being, this is, this is a wish list of the anti-immigration movement. Everything in here comes out of the anti-immigration movement. An alien's adjustment to status, defined as is changing, <coughs> adding, adding to the end of 13A, 101.13a. An alien's adjustment to permanent resident okay, shall be considered an admission for any person, purpose under this act, even if the adjustment occurred while the alien was present in the United States, which is, of course, what the only way adjustment is occurred. But this is meant to do away with the ability to get a 212H waiver. 
it is um, very specifically targeted for that. Now, Section uh, uh, 606 uh, involves... uh, a statute of limitations for fraud offenses for human rights violations. So unless the indictment is found within 10 years, the person basically puts a 10-year statute of limitations on this, um, and any types of persecution, torture, things like that. Um, and uh, it is rather bizarre, frankly, that uh, they're adding this to that section uh, of 3302 uh, of Title 18 of the Code. Uh, here, Section 605, the Attorney General's discretion to determine country removal. Okay. The Attorney General shall decide that removing an alien is prejudicial. So the Attorney General can stop somebody from being deported. 604, you've got... Um, Reinstatement of removal orders amended to say as follows. If the Secretary of Homeland Security finds that an alien has entered the United States illegally after having been removed, deported, excluded, or having departed voluntarily under an order of removal, deportation, or exclusion, regardless of the date of the original order or the illegal entry, the order of removal exclusion is reinstated from its original date and is not subject to being reopened or reviewed. Two, the alien is not eligible and may not apply for relief under this act regardless of the date of the application for relief, and the alien shall be removed under the removal order after the illegal entry. Um, Notice, is not eligible and may not apply for relief under this act, period. So if you re-enter after deportation, you have the permanent bar applied to you. Uh, again, a, mu- a much broadening of the current laws. Deterring aliens or to remove from remaining in the United States. This changes Section 212A9A, which says by striking within five years of date of removal or within 20 years, um, and adding and just saying it's gone within five years of date of removal, and inserting seeks admission not later than five years of date of removal and not later than 20 years, not within but not later than. In Clause 2, strike seeking admission within 10 years and insert seeks admission not later than 10 years after the date of removal. It also bars discretionary relief uh, under the Act. Under 246, unless a timely motion to reopen is granted, an alien described in A, this is amending Section 274D, uh, shall be ineligible for discretionary relief from removal during the time the alien remains in the United States and for 10 years after their departure. So this is a, a remarkable provision uh, in the law. It also makes changes in, um, uh, it precludes, it makes changes in evidence requirements for uh, withholding of removal. Really, again, an extraordinary granting, uh, uh, broadening of punishment, but not to be outdone in our last bit here, Encouraging aliens to depart voluntarily to the United States. Um, so it does this. Instead of if an alien, the DHS may permit an alien to, re- to voluntarily depart at their own expense uh, before the conclusion of proceedings, may permit to remove voluntary at the alien's expense during proceedings and post-proceedings. 
but before the removal proceedings shall be given 60 days. These This changes, these conditions they put on here. Voluntary departure may only be granted as an affirmative agreement with the alien. A voluntary departure agreement shall, one, include a waiver of the right to any further motion, appeal, application, review. Um, it uh, it requires advisals uh, of the process. The immigration judge shall advise the alien of the consequences of the voluntary departure agreement before accepting the agreement. And failure to comply, if an alien agrees and does not to depart and does not depart, uh, they will be subject not only to an alternative order of depo- deportable deportability, but to other penalties under the law. Um, and the effect of an appeal, of course, stays this. Um, but if you stay beyond this, if an alien is rid of the voluntary and doesn't leave, a civil penalty for $3,000, um, they will be ineligible for relief for a period of 10 years after the alien's departure for any relief. They're ineligible to reopen their case for any reason um, and uh, other than asylum. And it, it is an extraordinarily breathtakingly large expansion uh, of the law. Now, next week we're going to actually talk a little bit more about these sections uh, beyond Section 6, um, which includes uh, Section 101, the timely repatriation of individuals and sanctions against countries uh, that uh, fail to accept people. So that's your that's your roundup this week on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. There is a lot going on. The Trump administration is doing everything possible to make America inhospitable for immigrants. They've empowered the uh, most uh, the most anti-immigration uh, uh, groups in America, and the fight is on. This is Chuck Cook, your host of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.